Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Great show plan. Plenty of NFL discussion as teams are preparing for their final preseason performance this coming weekend, and then we are off to week one, thankfully, uh, through these three preseason games now. Uh, thank goodness, guys, we don't have one more to go. College football kicks off this weekend. Vanderbilt on the road against Hawaii and others. We will dive into that a bit, plus look ahead to next week's official SEC kickoff. That's fair, right? SEC officially underway next week, or well, am I sliding say Continental uh, United States, okay. something like that. I really think that this Saturday, I mean, it counts, is the first day of real football being played. Here's my problem. I mean, look, having preseason games to at least discuss, it's better than absolutely nothing right. or no football. It's still miserable. Saturday, we have games that actually count. We're going to look at the scores, and we're going to count them. Ireland and Hawaii. It doesn't feel like week one because they tell us it's week zero. Yeah, I've had a beef with this week zero concept forever. At the high school level, at the the college level, you don't start counting at zero. You start counting at one. (laughs) One is the first thing. The first thing isn't zero. When you teach your kid to count. You don't start with zero. All right, I'm talking to to you, Lucy, who just turned three. (laughs) We're going to go zero. One, two, three. No, no, start again. Not, not, not start with one. Zero. It's just one, a dumb. Two. Just call it week one. It's a dumb concept. It is a dumb concept. Now, what is not a dumb concept is just giving us actual games a week early. But I don't even want to label it a number. I, I don't even care what it is. Just don't label it zero. Kick off. Start weekend. with week one. Well, I don't think kickoff weekend, bonus weekend. Yeah. I don't even care what you this. Labor Day weekend is week one of college football right. season. And we never say what week it is but of just, college football season. It's not like the NFL. That's an NFL exactly. thing. Week just, three is significant in the NFL. But week three of college football has no meaning to it. Just, it's just it, another week. Absolutely. It doesn't matter if you number it or not. We all know the first big weekend of college football is Labor Day weekend every year. It's just a bonus week of college football. That's a good thing that we're going to have actual games on Saturday. But don't call it week zero. And Hutton, you're really sleeping on that Wyoming-Illinois matchup in the middle of the day. Because that's why I'll be watching. My bad. Only a 10-point favorite for Brett Uh, Bielema's Illini. Speaking of point spreads, uh, Jeff Clark from OutKick.com, Outkick Bets, will be with us. His first visit with us is coming up in hour number three. It's Jeff with a G, so you know this guy's legit, right? Like that's Jeffrey spelled with G-E-O. Like you're Geoff. (laughs) Geoff. That's yeah. how if you, uh, you know, would people Sounds start very important reading names for the first time and they would get to that one in, in elementary school or middle school and call it Geoff. We'll, we'll call uh, it Geoff. For the kids. Yeah. The same kids that. we're getting to count at one, not zero. Uh, Paul, you were out yesterday for the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, contributors vote and Don Coriel. Yes. The coach slash contributors category. And there was some conversation during the meeting about you know, this is the first year those two have been conf- combined into one category. Um, 
and, and it's a three-year cycle now, though it could get adjusted, where there are three seniors a year that will be taken forward to the whole committee and one coach-slash-contributor. It's somewhat fitting that Don Coriel gets this spot this year, needs 80% thumbs up from the entire committee in order to become a Pro Football Hall of Famer. But, you know, and there was some conversation about, you know, going back to a coach's only thing. I don't have a problem with it as it is. It's imperfect, but the seniors are, are a more important focus. But Don Coriel came very close to getting in straight as a coach. He was a top 10, and usually you, you know yeah. if somebody goes from the 15 to the 10 in the modern finalists, usually that means they're on the runway. Yep. And he not only wasn't on the runway, he disappeared, and he got vaulted by Jimmy Johnson, Bill Cower, Dick Vermeil, and Tom Flores. Now, those are good coaches, but I don't know that any of them have been the revolutionary in terms of changing the game the way Don Coriel was. And so Style looking at him... He's in as a coach, obviously, yeah. but coming off a coach slash contributor committee, the contribution he made to the game in terms of opening it up, one of his former players, I can't remember if it's Winslow or or one of the receivers, said, you want Don Coriel's real effect on the game? Look at the TV contracts. Because the brand of football that's being played that appeals to so much of America, a lot of it traces right back to Air Coriel. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I've been a supporter of his from the beginning. I think those Chargers, three and six in the playoffs, he, he got killed for that. But, I mean, how, how many coaches have done more to open up the game than Don Coriel? I, I don't know the rules here, so that makes the beauty of this segment even better because I can just pepper you with stuff. How did your uh, presentation go for Rune Artledge? And did you feel like – because you, you, you went last, right? I went second to last. Second to last. Whenever it started to get your way, did you think, well, I've got a great presentation, but – Coriel's going to be the guy, or, or so and so is going to be. Are people fatigued by no. hearing these presentations by the time it gets to me? No, it's not bad because it's it's four minutes, and there's not a ton of discussion like there is uh, in the in the forty nine person committee. How'd your, but your presentation went well. My though. presentation was very very well received. I got a lot of positive um, uh, texts from people and. They play a little chime at the end of your four minutes. I ended right at the chime, so I got you hit the post. I got applause for hitting <laughs> hitting the post. the The president of the Pro Football Hall of Fame actually said, "Are you finished, Paul, or did that cut you? Did that did that cut you off, or did you time it perfectly?" And I said, "No, no, I timed it perfect." <laughs> but I also um, did. You have the music in the background. I played the music at go. the beginning. I, I rehearsed it with Teresa the day before with the music in the background. Um, and it was louder in front of me than I was comfortable with, but that's what it took for her to hear it right on Zoom. I can't remember, if we, I can't remember if we got into this. Like, did just so hearing I decided, it get you going as I decided like five minutes before I started, I'm just going to play dun 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 and hit it off and then go instead of having it under my speed. I think it's a great call. I think it should have been an audio bed underneath your entire presentation. Yeah. It was just, just a little dangerous. Repeat. And then Teresa drove in. She took Simon to the dentist. She drove in right when I was starting and her Bluetooth picked it up in the car. So she panicked because oh. I was playing it on a Bluetooth speaker <laughs> in my office. So it might have gone awry if I kept going. Kept going. Because, I don't know, do, do two speakers pick it up at the same time? No, I, I if, don't know. If I'm on one Bluetooth, it's it's not available to another Bluetooth device. Oh, at least well, that, that's how I work. I pick will up. get so in I was Angie's car at times, and she'll be talking to one of her parents on the phone. And I'll be taking her car somewhere and start the engine. I'll hear their conversation. <laughs> it immediately goes. You hear, oh, what, hello? What's going on? Hello? 
And then I just hang up and go and let them call back. I will sadly say this to just put a cap on the Rune Arledge part. Uh, and, and I did a ton of reporting, you know, uh, about Rune Arledge. Uh, yeah. I talked to a slew of TV executives. I talked to Paul Tagliabue. I think he absolutely is a Hall of Famer. I don't think you could write the history of pro football or of television without Rune Arledge, who not only did Monday Night Football, but uh, the Olympics. He's a big reason that the Olympics turned into what it did, Wide World of Sports, and then ABC News. But he's not getting in with that current committee in the shape that it's in. With a one, couple real football guys yeah, in guy there coming out of it. scoffed at the mere mention of his name okay. as if I was committing some sort of sin <laughs> by uh, representing him. So uh, I, I have you. a strong feeling about, about that. Well, at least you Please, know who didn't name, vote name for names. Yeah. <laughs> Off the air. Perhaps. John McClain. Yeah. Uh, John McClain, not uh, he's, not, he's not on the committee. That's my first damn time. Peter King. <laughs> that's my first time uh, in the committee and uh, in in this meeting, and I was very proud to, to be there. I appreciate your guys' willingness for me to miss, and no, uh, I think it's awesome. I look forward to it, it moving ahead. And I don't think Don Coyle will have any problem getting the eighty percent. Usually, these are rubber stamps. I've been doing it seven or eight years. Once you and make it, everybody out of this, that's you're brought in. out of the committees, all but one, Tagliabu, the year that we had him on Radio Row didn't get in and then he got in as part of the centennial class otherwise everybody that's been brought by any of the subcommittees has been voted in kevin warren laid out the big 10 plan on hbo chad watched that we'll get into that in about 10 minutes or so uh, titans back in town they are hosting the arizona cardinals in a joint practice preseason game this coming weekend um and what was Kind of a sloppy practice for both offenses from what I've watched, Paul. I, I got there a tad bit late. Um, midway through, I'd say, is whenever they went to their first. I think they might have canceled this, but for uh, the Cardinals having made travel plans and everything, it was really only half a practice together today. They're not practicing together tomorrow. You know about what the Cardinals' plan is, but um, initially it was scheduled for two days. I think both coaches feel like they're banged up and it's a little bit more than they need right now. Yeah. The bulk of what was important today was two-minute drill work against each other, and both offenses stunk, and the Titans' offense really stunk. Could not move the ball down the field. They needed a touchdown um, in, in all circumstances. Tannehill threw a pick, all kinds of penalties. Malik Willis threw a pick, all kinds of sink problems. Cardinals weren't that much better, though. They did get the ball down the field a little bit. They had one run out on a 10-second runoff on a penalty. That's how ugly this Chad, was. Chad, it was, it was so bad that the officials were throwing flags and blowing plays dead, and I was getting upset with the officials yeah. for not just let, – let, can we just get to a practice? Vrabel we, got upset at one point. Can we see a play happen? So there's a tackle, blowing it dead. There's a tackle lined up, Chad, too, too far off the line of scrimmage. He'd probably been warned, and they flagged it, but it stopped a play that Vrabel wanted. Like, Vrabel was overseeing this. I don't know where Kingsbury was during this stage, but Vrabel was frustrated. He was like, can't we just run the damn thing? And, and for the for the mechanics <laughs> of the whole situation, I wanted to run the play. Uh, uh -uh. So he was frustrated with the officials, but he was frustrated with the guys doing the things that were putting the officials in position to do their job. I'm far more interested in joint practice etiquette as opposed to what actually ever takes place in these joint yeah. practices. Because I know, I was listening to Ryan Tannehill's press conference, meeting with the media afterwards, and he was he didn't come right out and say it, but he basically claimed that Arizona was doing some crazy stuff that you don't really see in football games normally in terms of blitz packages they were bringing yep, today. He said exactly that. That, that, that he said, I don't know that I've seen that in football, some of the stuff that they were bringing today to us 
almost like accusing them of some sort of gentleman's agreement to play it straight up or to not do anything crazy and new from a blitz standpoint in practice. There was, he there seemed w- upset with whatever they were doing. Well, I think... I don't think he was upset to that level, Chad, that they broke any kind of uh, a policy. But the thing was, the Titans and, and the Cards don't prep for this in any way, shape, or form. You're not watching film saying, okay, these are their primary blitz packages and everything. Anything would come off of this. You know, Tannehill said, in a regular game, you'll get one that's a surprise that you got to handle on the fly. But you've seen some variation of everything else. Titans hadn't seen anything because they didn't do any homework. So my, my spinoff for you is, like, what's really accomplished by them doing all of this stuff. Tannehill says, well, what it turns into is good learning tape that we go in and review what we do in these situations when we have planned for it. And in the moment, you're supposed to follow the rules of the situation, right? That best protect the quarterback, get, best get the ball out. But doing that snap after snap after snap doesn't feel to me what the intention is. They're also a bit different defensively because they have guys listed at positions that don't typically... Like, Isaiah Simmons is listed as an inside linebacker. He's playing safety. Yeah, He's just a very tall, lanky safety that also moves up into the box and plays inside linebacker. And they've got a Buda Baker, very flexible. They they move guys up. Zayvon Collins is all over the field uh, from the linebackers, but sideline to sideline. And then uh, I I thought uh, at the, the corner spots, they were very good today. Now, the Titans were depleted a bit at wide receiver. Um, when I say depleted, like well, Woods, Woods wasn't was, out there a snap the full, or two in team right. at, at best, and Burks wasn't out there at all. Burks went in at some point, right? Yeah. And so, so they were down to their third, fourth, fifth options at receiver, and, and they had their tight end. So maybe it's a, it's difficult to gauge that, but at the same time, I, I thought the, the Cardinals' defense looked, looked fast and athletic. They're um, good at uh, – Titans are thin at nickel, too. But I will say Arizona didn't move the ball either in the two-minute drill. They moved it a little better than the Titans, but they didn't get to the touchdown they were looking for. So it was bad offense across the board from both of these teams. A defensive day, whether it be, uh, you know, schemes that teams weren't ready for or not. Did it look like Kyler Murray needed some more study time? Kyler Murray is extraordinarily short. Yeah. I mean, it's striking to see him in person. We saw him last year, but we're not down on the field the way we were previously in pregame and stuff. Being on ground level with him, is it's striking. Um, and they, this is another team that has a miniature receiver. I'm not going to have the roster in front of me, or I am. Well, one of them is Hollywood five, Brown. Seven, uh, this other guy, though, is 5'7", 175. I mean, he's under 180 on the list. he's listed at 5'7", he's probably 5'5". This is Greg, <laughs> Greg Dortch. He's listed at 5'7", 175. He's a second year, 24 years old. He's out of wake. Um, and he was causing problems again. The Titans against little people. Um, you know, they play against big receivers primarily outside of Kyle Phillips. That's going to be the strategy now. We got to go hit the waiver I, wire to find anyone under 5'9 to play against the Titans. If I'm trying to attack Caleb Farley and I have a small receiver, I'm getting that matchup. Cardinals, the Cardinals have a very fast roster. They're not one that you look at and say, man, this looks like a. It, 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 it's a very opposite in the mirror look at the Titans. The Titans are, you know, uh, built from the line of scrimmage out. This team is built on the maneuverability and uh, the, the, the I, I call it the magic show of Kyler Murray. And they've added Hollywood Brown, who's much smaller than what I remember him being in Baltimore, being on the sideline there and seeing him in person. Maybe it's just the color scheme. I don't, I don't know. He looks, he looks smaller it's to me. It's an obstacle illusion. But he's, he's actually very extremely fast. Extremely fast. And then, you know, at running back, 
they have that. That's where I think their size is. But Daryl uh, Williams, uh, 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 James Connor, and James a couple Connor's of, a big boy. Yeah, they've they've got some bulk in the backfield, and then they are for the most part small at receiver. Of course, they've got Hopkins. I want you to give your take on him. Uh, AJ, uh, not AJ. Uh, oh yeah, AJ Green. Green. AJ Green. Yeah. He was out there in uniform, but he didn't do anything in the two minute. So. Um, Hopkins, I don't think, was much in the two-minute either, if at all, but he was in one-on-ones. And uh, listen, this uh, I, I confess I did a bad job. They were spread out into so many different things, it was hard to identify what was what at the beginning, and I was late to the to one-on-ones. I walked you up. were late because you had a meeting. I yeah, was late because I, I couldn't and, find what was what. And Paul said, uh, well, Hopkins is still really good. Hopkins went up on a, on a red zone target from Kyler Murray in the back left corner of the end zone, and I thought Christian Fulton did a fantastic job blanketing him. The same way we saw Jason McCourty do a fantastic job blanketing DeAndre Hopkins in Titans-Texans matchups. And Hopkins just went up and pulled the ball out of the air with one hand, like nothing, Routine. as casual as could be. Um, you know, it's it's a blessing for the teams that they're going to see in the first six weeks that DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to be out there. And uh, I, I would, you know, we joke about this sometimes, but if you have a receiver like that, and we've joked about the Titans, not joked, I mean, the Titans should have done it more with A.J. Brown. If I've got DeAndre Hopkins on my team, I throw to him constantly until somebody shows me that yes. they could stop him from doing things like I just saw him do against Christian Fulton, who's a very good cornerback. Um, right tackle, it looks like the Titans are going to start a rookie, Paul. Yeah, I mean... Uh, They've made that change I, I was, without saying I it. was not there on Monday when they practiced in the afternoon because we were doing this show. But Raidens was effectively demoted, call it what you will, to, to guard... He played some right tackle today, some left tackle today with this with the second team, but I, I think that we're going to look back as yesterday as the day that ended things for Dylan Radens in terms of competing for that spot this year, and Nicholas Petit Frere is going to get the snaps now to get himself ready and have help. I'd be I'd, and Hutton would be. I think virtually everybody out there would be surprised now to see Radens reemerge, barring some kind of injury. Right. It would take a really bad performance from Nicholas Petit-Frere to have Raidens back in because they've seen enough. And again, this is a huge indictment of what they've yep. done at this position. Not just, let's not limit it to Isaiah Wilson and Dylan Raidens, a, a horrible draft pick, all-time bad draft pick, and what looks like a, a very bad second-round draft pick for Raidens, but also with the depth that, that uh, John Robinson's brought in. Last year, Kendall Lamb was going to be the guy that challenged over there. Ty Sambrello retired in the middle of the year. They don't have anybody like those guys now, and those guys were not good. The sales pitch is going to be, well, we finally got it right with Petit Frere. <laughs> we nailed the right tackle position in well, the, the third round. Here's where well, you should be able to plug and play a third rounder. Here's where they're screwed, NFL. though, and you guys know this, but uh, Taylor Lewan last played a full season slate when it's like three years ago. Yeah, at least he, he doesn't play a full season worth of games. That's that's and, the and mo when, now. And honestly, when he plays, where does he rank amongst left tackles in the league? Well, prior to his knee injury, I would put him in uh, the top group. The, no now, doubt. Now he's middle of the I'm pack right until now, he proves he, it. Yeah. I think he's right around dead center of the league. But of starting left tackles. I would when agree with that. And their, their but problem he's got a chance is to be better. He's yeah. the guy that you can trust to put on an island, right? And I think they're going to go more too tight because they're going to help the tight the, the the tackles. But if you have a situation like they've had la- the last couple of years where he's out, he's missing a game. Yeah, you have trouble. a situation where he warms up in Seattle and doesn't play. Um, and I, I'm not predicting that happens, but I, I will predict that Lawan's missing some games because that's that's the routine now. That's consistent. 
what do you do at left and are you moving Petit Frere to left and putting Raidens at right? They, 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 are, generally they do don't not have move. the depth that they've had the last two years to make it through in that regard. They generally they do are not, not move. good at tackle right now. They generally do not move that starter, thinking it weakens them at two spots. And last year, look, I, we have to add the caveat that this is a find-a-way team. Last year, yeah. Lawan was out, and then who got somebody got a COVID, I think, and they ended up on a short week starting Raidens at left Kendall tackle. Lamb. Kendall Lamb got COVID, and they gave him some help, and he played a reasonably good game against the 49ers that that they won. They did not lose it because left tackle was was weak. So, given a one game instance, their their ability to patchwork, I'll, I'll take. They they need to make a waiver claim or two to get some depth on this offensive line. Um, they played McKenzie, uh, uh, an offensive lineman that they like a lot early for Lawan, but we haven't heard much about him. And we the, haven't seen Jamarco Jones because he's, he's banged been up. hurt. That, he, that's he's the guy this who's of, the this year's version of Kendall. Exactly. Lamb. Week one, they're facing the Giants. The Giants front they have tried to revamp in the draft recently. Aziz Ojolari set the franchise record for rookie pass rushers a year ago, eight and a half sacks, and. On opposite him, they have Kayvon Thibodeau. However, Thibodeau hurt himself in the preseason game with a knee, and week one is in jeopardy. They they are speculating that it's possible he could play week one. Others are reporting that he's going to be out at least past week one, maybe week two. But that's a huge benefit to a Titans offensive line in week one if you're looking at spreads right now and you see the, the gap between the Titans and the Giants. The one area where the Giants could control the game early is with their pass rush because the Titans' offensive line was not great at pr- protecting Ryan Tannehill a year ago. And now they have some some of the same issues on the right side, but the Giants don't have their full arsenal. And the best way to protect Ryan not. Tannehill, I'm sure that they are thinking, is to hand load it to up. Derrick Henry. Yeah, load up too tight and just run it. So draft Henry in your fantasy league. Ahead of McCaffrey, where others are saying McCaffrey should go ahead of Henry. It's always a good advice. decision. Now, I wouldn't want the first or second pick. I'd let uh, other people do it. I read something, by the way, that uh, ESPN an- analysis, I think, that said the best spot to be, and I'm presuming this is in 10-team leagues, we play in bigger leagues, mm-hmm. is six, historically. The return on the sixth oh. pick has been better in the average draft points that you get weekly than any uh, other spot over the last however many years, which I find thought. a little bit I baffling. Have, I have grown to truly loathe 10-team leagues in fantasy football. I'm jealous of them. We're going to play a 14-team league with our fans. I'll kick 360 fans coming up. Uh, but I was looking at my cousin over the weekend. Uh, my cousin. My nephew over the weekend. I saw him. And he plays in like he's one of these guys who plays like 10, 12 different leagues. Yeah, so you can know? win one of them. But he's already he's like, yeah, we our, our serious league though. We've already drafted. I'm like, <laughs> how serious is your league if you're already drafting? This early, you need to wait until the last possible minute if you want to be serious about That's fantasy right. football. But I digress. He showed me his team. It's an all-star team. Yeah, like with 10, 10 teams. Like how do you get that many good guys? I'm like, you got Mark Andrews, and you got. I mean, how do you have this? <laughs> and his Kelsey. backups are amazing too. I just, <laughs> it's ridiculous. You got to go. You got to go twelve plus. With a league, that that's my that's my rule. Twelve teams, big minimum. sixteen. I've played in the last couple of years, Thin. which is awful. I mean, you, you want to talk about the opposite of what you're talking about, Chad? You'd look at mine yeah. and be like, "Who are these guys? And, I've never heard." Starting Des Fitzpatrick. Des Fitzpatrick. I thought you didn't like him. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Coming up, Kevin Warren laid out the plan uh, on HBO for the Big Ten and their expansion. 
Reports out that Oregon is going to be joining the Big Ten. We have that at Outkick.com. We will dive into that discussion as well. Chad, you were able to tune in and watch this in full, uh, Kevin Warren's interview on Real Sports, and we will get your take on what the commissioner of the Big Ten had to say. Outkick's very own Clay Travis had a big part in it, had a big cameo in the Real Sports piece uh, with, with Kevin Warren, which surprised me. We'll get into that. We'll discuss the Big Ten's plan and what it means for the SEC. That's next on Outkick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. We are 20 minutes away from primary complaint on this Wednesday. Outkick 360 rolls on. Nick Saban got a raise. We will dive into that topic later. I, I have been very impressed with what Kevin Warren has done with the Big Ten over the last 12 months or so, and most recently the last three months or so with the TV deals, acquiring and getting the USC and UCLA in the mix. He's not done yet on that. He's been very aggressive uh, with uh, his comments to the media, both at Big Ten Media Days and on HBO Real Sports. Chad, you watched this uh, in its entirety. What did you make of the Big Ten commissioner, and where are they headed? Well, isn't it ironic that on the one-year anniversary of the alliance between the Big ah. Ten, Pac-12, today's the one-year anniversary when they announced this alliance, the scheduling alliance of ACC, Pac-12, and Big Ten, that it's the Big Ten that looks to be completely raiding the Pac-12 and will possibly destroy that conference. Uh, I thought the piece was really well done. Um, you, you know, it it very much framed it as uh, Bryant Gumbel interviewing Kevin Warren, and Kevin Warren is, and it's said in the piece, the most impactful and powerful African-American executive in the history of sports in his position as commissioner of the Big Ten and as major power broker, now with this TV deal, arguably the most powerful man in college sports, uh, taking the spot of Greg Sankey. We could debate that back and forth, and what's the SEC going to do next, but it's one of those two guys. For there's, the there's, moment, he might have taken a lead. There's no doubt about it. It's one of those two guys. You could certainly argue Kevin Warren right now. Uh, I thought the piece was really well done. A couple things stood out. You know What got leaked last week in the transcript, where he's asked about expansion, he says, I could absolutely see us going to 20. Well, now we get reports out that Oregon 
has contacted the Big Ten about the viability of them being a Big Ten member. So that's one to watch. About paying players, Bryant Gumbel phrased the question in, do you see yourself paying players of your football and men's basketball programs because they're revenue-generating sports? Did not mention paying all athletes on campus, but paying those that generate the revenue. And he said, yes, we're going to have to be out in front of that. Uh, He likes where it's headed right now with NIL, but there's going to be more to it. Um, The elephant in the room with Kevin Warren is he botched the COVID decision, and he didn't really check with too many people about it when they made the decision. And suddenly you have conference calls with all the school presidents thinking, we weren't really completely kept in the loop on this decision. There was no vote. Now, HBO did not sugarcoat this. In fact, uh, OutKick president Clay Travis made a, uh, made a cameo. Bryant Gumbel described it as many, quote, self-styled experts had criticized, and then they played a clip of Clay on his OutKick the show saying it's an unmitigated disaster and that Kevin Warren would probably lose his job before all is said and done from well, this. Well, in the background on that, he, they announced they were not going to play and it would not be revisited. And six days later, they, they, they revisited. It. Yeah, he didn't... Uh, it didn't spend a lot of time defending the decision to cancel it originally. Um, the way I can't say it because we're on radio also, but the way Brian Gumble described it, he said, you know, this little thing called COVID happened, then you made a decision, and then the bleep hit the fan. And on HBO, you can say it. And that's yeah. exactly how Brian Gumble presented it to Kevin Warren on that. And then they showed people that were protesting the Big Ten office. Including families to let them Let them play. There were Iowa family, a football family there. Nebraska had a big part in, in Big Ten football being played also. Um, so they addri- at first I didn't think they were going to address it. They addressed the elephant in the room. He didn't really – he didn't apologize for anything, didn't admit any fault in doing anything, but also didn't go out of his way uh, to say that, you know, he made a mistake or they could have handled things differently. None of that – did say, hey, I received death threats from this, and it was a really tough time, and there were a lot of people really upset, but eventually we came to the conclusion we could play a a truncated season after that. Um, I come away from the piece really liking Kevin Warren. He's an impressive dude. Had no idea that he almost died at 11 years old. He got hit. He was riding his bike in Arizona where he grew up, got hit by a car, and he was flung 40 feet through the air, and he was told he's never going to walk again, and he started swimming to get movement back, and then built himself up to where he was a college basketball player at Pennsylvania in the Ivy League. Uh, Went to Arizona State to get his MBA, got his law degree from Notre Dame, and then started in the NFL shortly after that, working his way up to COO of the Minnesota Vikings before taking this job with the Big Ten. Impressive dude, smart guy, uh, great background with his family also that they get into. And, And look, arguably the most powerful guy in college sports. And if you want to submit your place, and this is where we'll move the conversation forward, if you want to submit your place to the most powerful guy in college sports, go make a move right now in Oregon, Washington, and two others that you see fit to add. That's how you do it. McMurphy McMurphy says it's going to be four. I think it's pretty impressive in that, you know, with the stumble he had there where they revisited six days after he said they weren't going to revisit, he's sure doing fine now. So, like, if you overcome your, your bad moment, as well as he's overcome his, that, that gives me some confidence in the guy. He's got the support of the presidents who went against him uh, to, to over, you know, effectively overrule his decision. And now, uh, you know, he, like we're saying, he's, he's in, in the same 
stratosphere as Sankey, maybe taking a little bit of a lead on Sankey right now based on the TV contract and the expansion stuff. He's in damn good shape. So he's got to be damn good at his job to, to overcome that when people are saying he's doomed to be fired. And what are we, two years later, and the guy's at the top of the mountain? Yeah, yeah there, there were people. And look, th that's not just uh, – it's Clay in the piece, but they said many self-styled experts and critics criticized the move. And he even said, you know, I, I, there, were, there were those in our conference oh, Ohio that State was going to go independent. Ohio State was considering leaving the Big Ten. So, I mean, look, this is not some fake deal. where He was in trouble because that was very early in his tenure. He took the job. COVID happened. He made that decision. It was a rash decision at the time. Yeah. The SEC had already announced their plans they were going to play, and they had a plan in place to make it happen. And then he had to come back on that six days later. But, Paul, you're right about that. Hell of a recovery. I mean, rough start. There's no denying now. Everybody in the Big Ten, they're pleased with the guy because they have gone from 10 years ago, and Jim Delaney was a highly thought-of commissioner in the Big Ten. And this is how money's moved also. But 10 years ago, they were making $200 million in their TV contract. This new one's going to make over a billion a year. It's, it, I think it's over 1.2 because the stat was it, it's going to be more than five times what they made 10 years ago in this new TV contract. It's so impressive. What did he say about their plan moving forward and where they want to be you know, in the foreseeable future, long-term Aside from the billion-dollar TV contract, did he open? Was he as aggressive in this piece in this interview with Gumble as he's been at the podium at Media Day? He was aggressive. I mean, he you know, the question came about expansion and and what's next for the Big Ten, and he said we are going to continue to be aggressive in our vision. I think he used the word aggressive, in fact, about what they're going to do. And Brian Gumble jumped in and said, "20 schools? Could you see 20 schools soon?" He said, "Sure." He said, I think 20 schools are in play. Did not duck it. The way he didn't duck it and how quickly he came back tells me they're talking to four schools right now. We know now reported Oregon is one of them, but I don't think you just casually drop in there. It'd be very easy to say, let's say Greg Sankey's been interviewed and he says, we're not looking at any expansion right now. I think he said that. We're, we're, we're pleased right now, but we'll continue to monitor the landscape of college sports and make decisions as warranted. He didn't even say that. He said, yeah, sure. Uh, 20, 20 is realistic at some point. So I think he was pretty open and, and honest about where this is headed. Also something I've, I found interesting in the post notes that Bryant Gumbel always does on Real Sports, and usually it's him sitting down on the couch or the two chairs talking to the interviewer. But when it's him doing it, he said a, a quick postscript that he asked Kevin Warren about the name Big Ten and how foolish it is now that there's going to be 20 – teams in the conference, and he said, don't think of the number, think of the brand. He said, there will be no change in the name of the conference. It will always be the Big Ten because we don't view it as 10 teams. We view it as the brand. The well, Big you'll ten. have 10 in each division. That's how you could couch it. Yeah, well, and, and, but his Big point is even, two. we're going to have 24, and it's don't, don't worry about the number. No conference should worry about the number if they've had it. It's a – it's a brand that's been around for a long time. We're, we're looking at it as a brand, not a number. Here, here's the next hurdle I think is on the horizon, and it's because it's happening in the Big Ten. So we're all, and you know, I've, I've said, man, this is a, this is a very NFL-ish model, right? Like it, you, the style, the setup with the, all the different TV providers and uh, ways to find the, the 
the the one area where it's not anywhere close to the NFL model is the players aren't getting anything from this TV money. You know, the the NFLPA gets a cut of that TV revenue based on the salary cap. Right. They're talking about unionizing at Penn State. They're having meetings about that. That's the next domino here is if there does come a day where there is a players union, they're represented, they're coming after the TV money that their own commissioner is boasting. And I would be too. You know, you've got the billion-dollar contract. Every school's getting $100 million. You've got reasons to point to Notre Dame and say, hey, um, don't be independent anymore. You're giving up $40 million a year by staying independent with NBC. You can join this conference and make $40 million more per season at worst. And if that union comes together, that's the next... How do you maneuver the TV money that the players are not getting a part of if you have representation. I th- was it a Penn State quarterback? It was a Northwestern quarterback maybe that talked about unionizing a while ago and was the one guy that had any kind of foray. I don't believe it can happen, and here's why. These guys aren't there long enough. And so if you're a top player that's got enough power to be the guy that gets it done, you've got, what, three years to, to get it done I think that the constant churn, which is natural for college students, works in the favor of NCAA, the conferences, whoever, at really slowing this process down. And we've already seen the model football union is the weakest union there is in the NFL. I just can't imagine somebody being able to, while being a student athlete at their school, get this done when you're spanning the country and spanning multiple conferences in a three-year period with a ticking clock before you're out, unless you're going to stick with the job after you're conceivably in the NFL when your focus yeah. is going to, you know what I mean? Who's the leader of this? They need some. Uh, they need a great college football player who's got no NFL future, who will do it during his college career and carry the torch for them afterwards. His I think it's a very special. Stetson Bennett in yeah. Georgia. And and is he of the mind? I, I have no idea. Well, you know. it's it's going to be it's hard. You can't do it across college football. Three years, by the way, is an eternity though for TV contracts. Yeah, it's it's not going to happen Agreed. though. So if you're not showing your full product, the the unionization though is not going to happen across the entire sport. Now, could Penn State pull it off? Sure. Well, it could happen at the power the power two whenever we get. Well, there. Well, my point is, it's it takes the one domino. Can Penn State football? show the books of what they're making in the football side of the contract and say, Penn State's making this much, we produce this much, players deserve this much money, flat. If you're one of the 85 scholarship players, you get this much money out of the TV deal. If they could prove that and they could unionize and they could get that, the rest of the Big Ten's going to fall quickly behind. If that happens, you think the SEC's going to sit back and let their players, everybody, everyone from the South, go to the Big Ten? Because they're going to get paid part of the TV deal? No. They're going to have to play ball, too. And then suddenly, you've got two conferences. Yeah, it's a domino. It's a big domino. But it's going to take, to what you're saying, Paul, it's not going to be national. It's going to take one team successfully pulling it off and then showing the route for everyone else to do it. And the the team becomes a conference. That conference inspires another team in a conference. Then that sparks the whole conference. That's it's how it's going to I mean, work. Well, it's also not going to work nationally because Conference USA, every team gets three hundred thousand dollars a year instead of <laughs> instead of your hundred million. That that that's the other thing is the premium price on, on Big Ten and SEC product football product 
that's what's going to drive this boom moving forward on, okay, how much of the pie are we actually getting versus what is being earned, right? Like that's, that's the next part of this. And I, I hope they're ready for it because I, I for one don't want college football to go away. Like it, that no matter what happens, I want a product on the field. And unfortunately lawyers will be uh, getting involved in all this whenever it does happen. And I, Based on the public comments I've seen, it sounds like they're okay. Okay may be a stretch, but they're at least um, entertaining the idea of that at Penn State. Yeah. Hey, quickly, guys. I guess you can't um, slam the door on it. Big story coming out right now. We're going to talk about it. Let's talk about it here in about 15 minutes okay. uh, to start the 3 o'clock hour. Amazon has announced an NIL program with USC football to start. This is a game changer. What Amazon is attempting to do, and they're using USC as their test for this, and they're about to expand out to a bunch of other universities, could be enormous it? in the NIL space. Will they be delivering packages to my house? We, no. we mentioned Amazon last week as a NIL with one p- specific player. Is it, um, is it Caleb Williams? No. No, it, it's, it's, a, it's an apparel deal. Amazon has launched their own line of clothing and okay. apparel and personalized jerseys and any Amazon sell of these jerseys, a percentage goes to the player. All right, so well, they're, they're about to make a percentage through NIL of everything they sell through Amazon on this. And we know how Amazon does in the market in terms of people buying things online. So this could be a big one. We'll talk about it coming compelling. up later. They'll deliver that jersey to you with their drone as yeah. well. Coming up, primary right complaint out your body. on OutKick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up, Trubisky versus Pickett in Pittsburgh and Amazon in the NIL world for Southern Cal, plus rapid-fire NFL headlines. But right now, each and every Wednesday, it is time for Primary Complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away 
away from your feelings. It's time for Primary Complaint on Outkick 360. Guys, my primary complaint today, Uber. And not with the drivers, not with uh, being late or running way too early for a scheduled uh, pickup. But the tipping process. You can go ahead and pre-tip whenever you schedule an Uber to pick you up like 24 hours in advance, right? You can go ahead and tip the driver. Well, I do that. That way, because they certainly know whether or not you've done that. And then after they drop you off, you get the next time you open up Uber, it could be a day later, two days later, it asks you if you would like to tip your driver, not telling you that you've already done so and you've already given them five stars. I would like a red alert that I have my tip, my wager already went through. I took care of this driver and I should X out without being demoted any of my own stars on the app itself. That is my primary complaint. Uber really going out of their way to make sure they take care of their drivers. My primary complaint this week is that just because you may have the right-of-way or you may be right in a traffic dispute as a pedestrian does not prevent you from being struck by a car. So you need to move out of the way, one way or the other. Give you an example of this yesterday. Pulling out of this venue, there's a roundabout very close to our studio here at 6th and Peabody. It's a very busy roundabout with two lanes. There are blind spots. When you take a right, there are cars in the left lane that are going fast around the roundabout. So you're going right quickly, and there is a crosswalk as you go right, but cars are also darting from the left lane. Yesterday, I turned right and slam on the brakes, and the car to my left slams on the brakes because there is a woman walking very slowly on the crosswalk, and instead of showing some urgency and maybe you know getting a little hop in her step to make sure she didn't get hit by a car, she stops in the crosswalk and is pointing at the sign that says yield to pedestrians and is telling everyone that she has the right-of-way. That's fine. I'm not disputing that. We didn't see you, lady. And just because you're right doesn't mean that you can't get killed by an oncoming car. So move it along. Let's move it along. Let's save ourselves ahead of trying to prove that you were right in some sort of traffic dispute. That is my primary complaint. My primary complaint, Twitter plagiarism, butchered that. Uh, Like this guy butchered my tweet. I didn't butcher it because he repeated it word for word. I tweeted, when Malik Willis has great protection, he does damage. Hit Mason Kinsey deep versus two DBs with beauty of a throw but had little to sort through up front and had all day. Hashtag Titans. This guy cuts and pastes my <laughs> exact tweet and tweets it. And then somebody else asks me who's copying who as if this guy is somebody. Uh, I don't want to say his name because I don't want to give his account credit. But uh, what's going on here, Chief? I'll, I'll be reporting you as quickly as possible to the Twitter authorities. Don't cut and paste my stuff from the sideline of practice acting like you're standing there. Not cool. He might be standing there, and he's probably allowed to tweet more than you are. If the practice. Titans are, are uh, well, maybe he's there as a fan. No. Uh, who knows? He could be in the media for all I know. There are a lot of guys I don't know anymore. But. <laughs> a lot of press credentials getting handed out out there. A lot, there's an army of press credentials. So that's Quite an observation you had yeah. about Malik. I think he's dead on. Yeah. <laughs> Back at it with headlines next on Outkick 360, NFL and Amazon and USC galore.